Yo, yo, welcome, welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy. My name is Meeks and you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on your social media platforms. This is your first time joining us. Welcome to this space where we discuss the things that implicate young adults. And today I would love for us to discuss a very sensitive topic about life being super short and making the best of it. And if you've joined us before, I encourage you to check out our previous episodes to get a sense of the direction in which we move on this platform. But today's topic is somewhat sensitive because it kind of hit close to home for me in the last few weeks. I was traveling and during my travels, unfortunately, I found out that a friend of mine, well, we we are more acquaintances than deep friends, but somebody I knew from when I was growing up in school passed away suddenly. And I'm going to get into the backstory of what happened, which leads me to pitch this podcast about being life is short. So make the best of it. And this gentleman basically committed suicide, guys. Yeah. So I think it's really sad when you have somebody that you know close or, you know, an acquaintance uh, like in this case that goes away like that and it's devastating to hear about it and every time it happens it's always shocking to hear somebody decided that this was the best option for them to take their own life so the story goes that this friend of mine partner acquaintance from back in the day we went to high school together he was a year behind me after graduating school went into acting and theater and found that he was actually pretty good at performance theater-based work and developed those skills and talents mostly back home in africa and kenya and was able to make a living doing it he wrote screenplays he acted in in theater and was embedded in that scene, right? And, you know, as you hear about guys developing in their careers, you're you're happy about them. You check them out on podcasts every once in a while. You might not keep tabs on their success, but you're well aware of what they're doing. So it was one of those situations, right? Like, hey, this guy is in acting and he's, he's doing pretty well. He's coming out with the play. You should check it out. I was gone by the time he was starting his career, but, you know, I would always get word about the acting scene and the theater scene in Nairobi. And I was always kind of interested in hearing about how that's developing. So I'm playing catch up on this story, really, because I'm learning that after spending a few years in in Kenya and doing a really good job of being a writer, an actor, a mentor, he decided to go to the United States on a fellowship. And he was in New York City for this acting theater fellowship. I'm not sure if it was Juilliard, but I do know that it was with a major company. And as a result, he became well known also off Broadway. He acted in a host of theater performances in the city and the fellowship was supposed to be two years. Fortunately, in this case, he was able to extend it. So he stayed for, I believe, seven years. After that tenure ended, he was kind of contemplating coming back uh, or should he continue doing off-Broadway shows, which were successful. He decided to go back to Kenya and again, give back to the community that raised him, birthed him and gave him his, his early start in this industry. Therefore, As COVID was just about to hit, he returned home and was continuing his success. He had a podcast. He was in plays. There was one interview that I saw with him talking about a play about cheating, which was somewhat controversial. Kenya tends to be one of these semi-conservative communities, yet these things happen all the time. You know, we keep hearing about cases of of infidelity and and such. So it's, it's not out of the realm in the dating space. In fact, there's been jokes about, you know, everyone in Kenya kind of dates everyone. 
Um, well, in Nairobi, maybe mostly. So ultimately, he's back home. He's acting. He's doing theater. He is reengaging with folks that he knew back in the day. And he gets into a relationship with somebody who's in the industry as well. And my understanding is that she was respected in her own right as well. So I watched a few of the episodes and I was I was inspired. They had an interesting rapport. And you see him kind of going through this phase of trying to find his feet back here in Kenya and learning different nuances of, I guess, how people interact acting. There's an interview where there's this guy who is called um, Edgar Quach and he interviews him and, you know, he he makes fun of him and how he's, his accent is totally changed. It's like, yo, my guy, like what happened to you? You, you sound like you left this for, for decades. Your, your accent has totally changed. And so there's always going to be like this transition where things are kind of weird. So maybe that's part of what was going on with him. In any event, so he's in a relationship with this girl and they do a podcast together. I watch one of those podcasts. And in that podcast, the guy who was being interviewed actually stated something about he contemplated committing suicide. And, you know, I go back to that interview and I look at this guy's body language, the late, and it was kind of, he's called Charles, by the way, or Charlie, like people recall him. I go back to that interview and I see his body language. He just became so stiff. It was a very sensitive kind of topic for him to discuss. And I'm not sure if at that point he was having these kind of uh, mental struggles, but you can just kind of see him drifting away at that juncture of that interview with his girlfriend and this guy who's also in the, in the acting scene in Kenya. Anyways, I don't know much about the acting scene or theater scene. I'm just, again, playing catch up because we went to school with this guy and I'm, I'm really saddened by how things played out. But ultimately, word gets around that he committed suicide, uh, was in a social setting, by the way, and in his apartment, my understanding is, and he walked out to the balcony and I guess that's when he he had a belt and, and was able to use that to, to hang himself. So dies in his own apartment in a social setting because usually when you hear about these things, people kind of do it on their own or you know, wait for a moment when they have that privacy, maybe leave a note. So this was kind of like a very dramatic way of, of ending his life. According to reports, I, I must say that you, you have to wait till you hear the, the entire story, but that's what was reported when it happened. So I'm looking at some memes and some some posts on TikTok and so on and so forth. And, you know, guys are saying about his girlfriend, for example, because everyone now wants to look for clues, right? This is just kind of like the post Monday kind of playbook where you're looking back and you're trying to understand how this happened. And so you're seeing posts of people saying or looking at this picture like she was just enabling him in drunken nights and situations that were unsavory for a couple that's close hitting close to 40 and that was his fiance by the way and people were saying these sorts of things and it made me think about this notion of picking a partner wisely and understanding that the person that you're with should align in terms of your values it helps when you guys are in the same industry but it might be a deterrent if that industry has nefarious kind of movements in terms of habits, right? It's like in the theater industry, maybe people, you know, go out and party after, you know, each show or I don't know what the social milieu of, of that scene is. But if it's if it's more on the negative spectrum, then you're likely to be pulled into it. And so him and his girl, his fiance may have been in that kind of situation, which enabled him to kind of spiral into this dark place. And having a partner who is not necessarily from the same industry might have been helpful in the situation because, you know, they might not fully understand that industry and might be able to help you pull back or like, you know, tell you to like relax or chill out if you're going too far in terms of your excesses. And and I don't know if she was doing that for him because, again, they're in the same industry. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're partying. And you need a partner who's able to kind of help you balance things out. I have a strong conviction that having a partner with with values that align with yours, but somebody who can look at you and say, hey, I think you might be going off course or what's happening. Let's talk. 
why do you feel like you're having these thoughts? I'm pretty certain he may have brought those things up in the relationship, maybe not directly, but is your partner actually looking for signs of your distress? And unfortunately, when it comes to relationships, men might not be overt in their expressions of anguish. And that's when you need a woman to kind of kick in her intuition, not only when, you know, she suspects a man is cheating or something, but to kick in that intuition when she believes her man is going through something. You need the type of woman by your side who's able to identify these these things in, in her guy because often men don't necessarily show these things overtly or speak about them. And it's through their actions that they're crying out for help, right? So it might be hitting the bar. Your guy's not coming home until very late at night. These are like signs and indications that something is off, right? How is his spiritual well-being? You know, like guys never stop to think about, well, would you have a relationship outside of, of this relationship that can supplement what I cannot provide to you as a as a girlfriend, a fiance, a wife, we really have to start thinking about the greater good of the relationship outside of depending on your partner for every single emotional, physical, intellectual support. And I think if we start thinking about, well, are we going through counseling together? Maybe that's where you can get some help. Maybe you can get a Christian counselor. Maybe you can listen to sermons together that encourage you. Maybe you can think about, um, yeah, joining a, a faith group. This is something that I've noticed that amongst young people, it's it's no longer a priority. Guys, guys are concerned about their well-being in terms of how do I look in the eyes of society, my colleagues, my friends, my social milieu. These are the things that concern people more so than the internal things. And I've been studying a lot of you know, rich and successful business persons here in the States, mostly men. And one of the things that they keep mentioning is that they really depend and lean on their partners, their wives to kind of give them the space and security to kind of be creative and to do their job at a high level. Most CEOs, startup owners have a wife who's extremely supportive, very intuitive, very open to helping their partner kind of develop and, and give them the opportunity, all the opportunity to be the best person they can in their industry. So, so I think what's happened in our generation, the millennials going down, is that those bonds have kind of become diffuse. And there might be a number of reasons because, you know, feminism has has enabled women to be successful on their own right. And so maybe being that partner that we expect maybe of women back in the day has kind of dissipated. But even in this day and age, there's a lot of women of, of the millennials cohort that are super supportive of their partners. And despite the fact that they also have a job and, and so on and so forth, they're very willing to be that, you know, support system for their guys as they develop through their careers. But the notion that guys are going through relationships and really not being able to speak up and dealing with all these burdens of the world and having to kind of take that as a man, I think that that process is starting to play out and we're seeing this lethargy and anguish among men and young people as a whole. And it's expressing itself in the number of suicides that we're seeing uh, across the board. And the ironic thing here is that it's in developed countries, mostly that this has happened and West westernized emerging countries like Kenya as well. And it's weird because it's like the more successful you become, you would think that you're kind of moving away from the stressors of day to day life, you know, money issues. And who knows, maybe they did have money issues, which is the number one cause for relationships to to break down. And if a man feels like he can't provide, then it becomes extremely stressful. So I don't know, that could have been part of the problem there. But it's just ironic that in this age, when we are so advanced technologically, and I mean, across the board, the Western countries, even like Nairobi,
Adobe are super advanced. Uh, folks might not have as many opportunities there as let's say in the US, but there's this level of quality of life that people have attained that would kind of enable people to be happy. But we're not seeing we're not seeing that actually playing out in reality. So I was reading a study that showed that on average in the US, I believe about 50,000 people are successfully committing suicide every single year. And this is devastating, so much so that now all these major cities with huge bridges that people used to jump off of are starting to create barriers. I saw that I think it was the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is doing this and a few other states and other counties have started building, you know, these barriers uh, 20 feet out so that individuals who are running down, I don't know, Brooklyn Bridge, for example, they haven't done that yet. But I'm just giving an example might not be inclined to just take a look and decide, you know, this might be the easiest way to uh, avoid my problems. And and, and the number of problems that we are seeing are increasing insofar as the stressors of not being able to find peace. Because if you live in a huge city, like there's just so much drama between you waking up and going to work and having to pay these bills. And so maybe some of these this stress is kind of induced, but part of it might be self brought upon. In, in other words, if you decide to live in a city that's extremely stressful and you're working a job that pays you well, but hardly pays you enough to keep up with the appearances, then that's that's a personal choice, right? Why don't you just think about packing? up and, and moving to a smaller city, you and your partner, you'll be peaceful. You're not thinking about, you know, guys trying to talk to her when, when you're working, because in a big city like New York or Miami, like that's always kind of like a certainty. You want to like limit the problems that would jeopardize your relationships welfare. And so having a purpose for a man is extremely, extremely useful. And the woman plays a part in making him feel like he has a purpose. Like when women do even small things like, wow, babe, like I'm really thinking about you today. Like, I hope you have a great day. I hope that, you know, everything goes well. I'm here with you regardless. Even just words of affirmation every once in a while to her man go a really long way because you have to understand like men nowadays don't hear any words of affirmation outside of, yeah, thanks for buying me this. And thanks for sending me this amount of money. It's not very common for women to kind of do and say these things for a number of reasons. Women have become more masculinized. And I don't want to put this on them because our society is very masculine as a whole. And women have had to kind of step into some of these roles and positions by choice. But there's also been the trickery of trying to get women for cheap labor into some of these industries and then dumping them when something like AI comes along because AI can do a better job now. So women have kind of had to step into these unorthodox roles. And as a result, they become a little bit more masculinized. But the women who are winning are the ones who still maintain their femininity because they stand out so much like a diamond from, you know, like a boar mine in, in South Africa or in Botswana. They stand out when they exude their femininity. And it's not like they have to dress a certain way. It's just how they carry themselves, how they speak, how they connect with individuals, with men. It's interpersonal skills. You know, like we need to develop our interpersonal skills to a point when our men feel very, very comfortable around us. We can have open conversations without necessarily feeling we're going to get into this huge fight because I actually have an opinion that differs from yours. I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. So when I was in Kenya some time back, I met this girl. She's really nice, nice girl. And we're, we're on, I guess it was a date. We're on a date. We went to an art collective and we're just hanging out, listening to good vibes. Music is playing in the background, looking at art. And, you know, we have the same spiritual beliefs, which is, which puts you above, above most people in my books. So I'm like, yeah, there's potentially a good shot. So let's see how this goes. 
shows and we just converse in a really chill way. Then over time, you know, she starts asking me about my life and I share. And ultimately she wants my social media handle. And I said something to the effect like, you know, we've we've only known each other for a couple of days. Maybe let's hold off on, on that exchange until such time when we feel super comfortable or I'm super comfortable. And maybe I didn't necessarily say it like that. Maybe I came off a little bit more crass for which I apologize, but she didn't take it well. <laughs> she did not take the fact that I didn't want to share my Instagram handle with her at that moment when she asked well. And I can understand rejection being an issue, but ultimately this is part of life. We have to allow things to play out in a way that maybe doesn't comport with the way we want it to play out, but let it let it flow. Be like water, just see where it goes and, and let things kind of unravel. And for me lately, it's just been like, let things unravel, be yourself, be courteous, but let things unravel. And so I'm hoping that women can be able to take criticism and be able to kind of communicate when they feel away. So she told me she felt away because of how I responded. And I tried to kind of finesse the whole thing and tell her, look, it's not a personal knock on you. Just I want us to develop a one-on-one relationship, old school style, get to know each other without necessarily involving social media when you'll make your own opinions. And, you know, these opinions might kind of cloud what we are actually developing here. In any event, so I offered to give her my book instead, which she took. And I said, look, this will give you a more balanced insight into who I am, because obviously, like I was leaving. So, you know, we will be separated for time. So I'm like, yeah, take my book. That's a better place for you to kind of get a sense of who I am. And and so she she took that. She took that somewhat better. But I'm telling you, like she was not happy for a good amount of time. And I had to apologize a few times. And, you know, I didn't have to apologize. But guys, at the end of the day, it's kind of like if apologizing leads you to a goal, just go ahead and apologize. I don't understand why guys, alpha guys, like you feel like you can't, you can't necessarily like just say sorry and just kind of keep it moving. Um, Obviously, if you're not in the wrong, you don't have to do that. But to just enable peace in the Middle East, you, you should be you should be comfortable doing that. And the same is true for the lady. Like you have to be able to take the L sometimes and be OK with that and keep things moving and, you know, maybe respond by saying, yeah, okay, cool. I'm waiting to see what your gram page looks like as opposed to, oh, he's probably hiding something. He probably has a shorty in the US or like a couple of kids, which she did ask me. And I told her, nah, it's, it's nothing like that. I just I just want us to vibe on this level first. So the role of women in men's lives cannot be overstated. Super important for them to be in sync and to be in sync on a personal level, an understanding of each other and on a spiritual level, which I think is part of the reason why most relationships are kind of faltering because there's no spiritual basis. You, you want your partner to be super Superman or Superwoman. And that's just not going to cut it in the long run. And allowing yourself to go through the process of getting to know each other is extremely, extremely useful for millennials to do, especially if you've come out of a bad relationship. You have to heal and get over the past situation and then start over fresh and try and be aware of your biases and try and bracket those biases and give the person that you're with like a real chance. And that takes work, especially for women, because they they have their guards up and they have these these fears. You know, if, if I settle with this guy and then one day he decides to leave, you have to be able to bracket those fears until such time when they need to be resurrected because you've seen signs and wonders and actual actions that suggest this person might not be a good look for you. So to wrap this up, I think life is very short and we have to make the best of it, but we need people around us who can help us make the best of it. In addition to obviously being intrinsically happy and doing the things that will enable you to live a prosperous life, which again, I'm going to hearken to this idea of developing a relationship with God that is secure insofar as if everything were to go down the drain. 
Ukraine, you have you have God turned to. And women have a major role to play in uplifting our social society, right? Like men, we, we tend to look at the economy and bringing the bacon home. And guys are focused on doing that at a high level. And if they're distracted, don't feel secure, then there's a problem that we need to kind of address. And often if we look at our partners to help us get through that issue, these things can be resolved. Now, again, I'm not saying that my guy Charlie died or committed suicide because his relationship was trash. I'm just saying that it's inevitable to look at the relationship one has with their partner that could have led to their demise or divorce or mental breakdown or whatever. And men are human beings. I I have to tell women this all the time because they think we're like robots and we just want to take advantage of them and cheat. Like, no, like you have to have a wider sample of, of men in order to make these assertions, right? Men are very complex. Men have feelings. Men actually look at women and, and make determinations about them. And if they make a move on you the first night, then they've kind of made a determination that that's the type of woman that you are. But if they say, okay, I want to actually um, lengthen this dating process because this person has potential, it's because they've made that assessment as a result of what you've shown them. So that being the case, guys, it's life is super short and you want to make the best of it by ensuring that you're in a good place every single day, waking up, drinking spring water, being hydrated, you know, eating a healthy, balanced diet, uh, not overeating, not watching too much telly, not going on social media all the time, not posting 24 seven, doing things in balance. We have to have balance. I was I was watching a documentary with with Meta World Peace, who used to play for the Lakers where he won one championship. And Ron Test basically was talking about how he, he was just not balanced when he was at Detroit because this documentary goes into how they got into a brawl with him and two of his teammates and they were in the stands fighting people. It was it was nuts. It's on Netflix. He's trying to check it out. But he's so reflective in that interview. He's like, I just didn't have the balance. And so he tapped into, you know, Eastern meditation and that whole way of doing business. Obviously, the Lakers are all about that life. Phil Jackson practiced transcendental meditation with his with his uh, players. But at least he was well aware that he had a spiritual deficit that he needed to address in order to be a better human being and basketball player. The same is true for men in relationships and just for men as a whole. We need to be able to fill our gap with a spiritual awakening that I think, you know, God, Jesus Christ can fail for you if you develop that relationship. I mean, just read the book of James to understand how this whole thing plays out. Read the book of Peter, the books of Peter to get a sense of an individual who was super close to Christ, but, you know, betrayed him before coming back and, and allowing himself to kind of go through the same thing Christ went to and ultimately was crucified upside down because he said it was not worthy for him to be crucified like Christ was. I mean, that takes some kind of humility to say, I have issues. I'm willing to go back and do the work so that I can be a better person for myself. And I would hope that women would be more sensitive to our guys as they go through this evolution, because often men feel that you have one chance and if you screw up, that's it. I'm out. Like women will shut it down and kind of make this broad assumption that you're like all guys or like this is who you are. Stop boxing men in based on a few situations that are unsavory and give them the benefit of the doubt when you are with them. And when you're not, then it is what it is. But if you're with a guy, give him the benefit of the doubt and don't be that doubting, you know, Thomas, when you're with your man, make him feel comfortable. And so RIP to Charlie Oda and to all the men who are out there struggling and thinking about calling it quits. I'm praying for you and I'm thinking about you. And this episode for you about life being short is just a microcosm of a plan that God has for you in this short life that we have. Regardless of what you're going through, be encouraged that you're here for a purpose and you just need to kind of let God into your life to help you figure out what that purpose is. And so I'm going to play a little tune here for my man and then we're going to call it quits. Until next time, adios cabron, adios.